Hobby Addict の時間です。It's time for Hobby Addict.And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome back to Hobby Addicts, episode 243, the first Hobby Addicts of the new year. But the host is the same. The hosts are all the same. The year has changed. I am Mitsugi, and joined by Mandy. Mandy, how are you? Hi. I wasn't here last week, but I'm excited to be back. And I played a whole lot of games. I hung out with my sister and my mom. We finished、uh, Base Motel. Together、oh. and yeah,、oh, no. we, we, had a lot, we had a lot of fun together. But I'm happy to be back.、Well, I can't wait to hear about all that. And we also have Mason, of course. Mason, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Finished up the new year, started the new one off on the right foot, doing all sorts of different activities. Okay. And of course, again, I'm Mitsugi. Welcome, everybody listening. Thank you for contributing to the podcast. As always, we have a Very good show for you today because everyone's been sitting around enjoying the holidays, playing games and things. I have played through the majority of the Symphony of the Night collection,、uh, with, which also contains Ronzo, the Rondo of Blood, Castlevania. Mandy, as she said, has been playing lots of games Transistor for Switch, Little Nightmares for Switch. And maybe we'll have a little anecdote about Bates Motel. I'm kind of curious how you felt about season five of Bates Motel. <laughs> And Mason had read a book, The Fifty Shades of Grey. No, just kidding. Just Shades of Grey. So <laughs> it's the same thing. Just about. 50、yeah. is 50 sequels later. <laughs> I want to know what it's going to be. Long running series. <laughs> Which came first, Mason? Fifty Shades of Grey or this book? Uh, this book. This came out in 2009,、oh, okay. and、That's、I、so、had to look up Fifty Shades of Grey, and it came out in 2011. So,、oh, this one by、God. two years. Oh my God, it's so great. I just feel so bad for this. I guess I, I, we were saying before we started that like, this author must just have been like, you fucker. <laughs> I just releases this porn smut book with basically the exact. Man, that's like borderline lawsuit worthy. I mean, I get, maybe it's you not. You fucker, but, literally. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Mason, why don't we start there? Talk about this book, <laughs> Shades of Grey, and why is it not porn? Uh, well, it should have been. That's, that would have helped it out in the, in the rankings. No,、uh, this is done by a British novelist that I talked about a few months ago. With his 2020 book, The Constant Rabbit, it had a lot of metafiction, it had a lot of illusions and wordplay and humor that I really liked.、And、I was like, ooh, I'm going to check out his other works. And I decided on Shades of Grey, otherwise called the full title Shades of Grey, The Road to High Saffron. So if you say it like that, it sounds substantially different than、uh, the 2011 BDSM erotic novel. But this is a、uh, really good dystopian novel about the swirl of. Chromatasia. And I want this to be adapted into an anime so badly. I think it would look so cool as an anime because in this world. Chroma, chromatasia? Yes. Oh, okay. In this world, er- everything <laughs> is determined by one's ability to perceive color.、Uh, to start、uh, with, gotcha. like the social hierarchy is defined by, you know, each. 
person kind of has an ability to see one hue. So like you have people who can see like lower frequency colors. You can see reds and yellows, but nothing else. And those are like the lower class, mm. lower end of the spectrum people, whereas you have the esteemed blues and purples at the the elite. So think of a rainbow where working your way up from red to violet, you kind of become more and more prestigious. But even worse, could you imagine being a lonely monochromatic gray, just unable to see colors? How disgusting would you be? Oh, You'd be just a factory worker yeah. working 20 hours a day because in this society, the jobs you have, the who you can marry based on like complementary colors and your status and your uh, percentage of a certain color to see kind of defines and determines what you can do in life. And there's a big moment in every young person's life, the moment they become an adult, when they take the the classic Ishihara, which kind of determines one's ability to see color, like objectively, and thus how your life will go out. But essentially, the protagonist of our of the series is called Eddie Russet. So, what what color do you think he is? Monochrome. Red. He's a red boy, and in <laughs> fact, everyone in this world, their last name kind of like indicates. Like their color. So, like, you have other red families like the Uberries, the Crimsons, or the prestigious Oxbloods. Oh, I see. And everyone kind of, it's all very like tongue in cheek and it's hilarious. But in this world, which takes place in the future by an amount that we don't know because people in this world kind of don't know how long it's been because of a bunch of weird things from the act of the Almighty Munzel, these like godlike scriptures of law, um, they have a lot of weird rules, such as, you know, outlawing the manufacturing of new spoons or restricting gearing on bicycles like it's a very strange place but it's all put in place for as all dystopian novels are for the social good keeping order and you know everything in line but essentially our our young man eddie russet gets sent to the outer uh town of east carmine because he he pr played a bit of a practical joke haha is being punished by uh having to commit a chair census which means he has to go around and find out how many chairs are in this town as a way of punishment. Chairs? But here, chairs, like what people sit on. Sir okay. <laughs> wow, that's uh, They're that's just trying to job. punish him. You know, he, yeah. this is a slap on the wrist. But he, This book is by a very bitter graphic artist. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But, like, imagine how this would look in anime where, like, each character can only perceive certain colors of the world. And, like, they have, like, these artificial color gardens where they, like, pump in... Like literally, like uh, literal pipes of color, so that people can see artificial colors, but not the natural ones. So, like more people can enjoy them. But it's a whole like play because color is expensive, and sometimes like the yellow in the pipe will run out, so things will become like overly blue instead of green. It's very funny. Oh, like this funny. world is so creative and smart, and but essentially, Eddie goes to this outer fringe town, and because it's a little bit far away from like proper society where rules of riffraffs and threats of swan attacks are a little more prevalent like he starts what? To yeah, what? swans <laughs> are like the second most uh like frightening creature in this world wow. what is this book? And, and, it's, and, it's amazing and it's in our so world creative. too swans exactly are mean exactly they're, they're, they're mean frightening they squawk at you they're the modern t-rex dude a swan oh, it gets it's so crazy this it's so good and swans are scary yes go ahead mitts the swan will fucking eat your clothing right off your body they'll chase you down and like try to eat your pants they're crazy yeah even worse than geese but so essentially eddie goes to this town and 
because it's kind of removed from society that he grew up in, he starts to see like, ooh, maybe this world isn't quite as it seems. And maybe he's a, he's a bit of a curious guy and he starts to under, uncover like, you know, the, the flaws and where secrets are being held. And the, the, the book goes in crazy directions and you get into combat against lightning. You get attempted murder. And as the book says in the very first page, uh, Eddie is eaten by Yataveo, which is a man-eating tree uh, for those who haven't played Resident Evil. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the Law of the Land is done by Munzel. That's a reference to, obviously, Albert Munzel and his color system of value, chroma, and hue. And the Ishihara is a reference to Shinobu Ishihara. Those are those, like, circular uh, dots where you can see, like, numbers in them. Like, so there, it's like, it's a future world of ours, but it's, like, highly warped and it's highly creative. And I absolutely love this book. I finished it literally 20 minutes ago. And I think more will be coming out from the series so uh i highly recommend shades of gray or 50 shades of gray if you're into that but uh it's like 380 <laughs> pages it's a really short read and it's a really fun time so i think you should check it out if you're not into that for, kind of thing it's not a fun time for people who can't see color <laughs> well i mean you're just gonna be working like 20 hour days in factories and oh yeah that's, oh, that's neglected totally to not, appropriate you don't even get a name like they're just called like g23 or g8 it's like shaming poor colorblind people yeah oh it is oh it's you're, you're, you're the worst of the worst if you're if you're a filthy gray like don't even talk to me damn it's get your, uh get your gray ass out of here it's it's pretty funny <laughs> But you know, there is a there is a, a girl named Jane who is a gray, but she has just the most adorable nose, and Eddie might have the hot. How hots can you for tell her. it's a book? It says it's retrous. You got to imagine. Oh. They, they gotcha. said so. Okay. Uh, it, it's great. It's hilarious. It's I I loved every minute of it. So uh, that, that's that's. Can't all wait I got. for the manga when it's all in black and white. <laughs> Ooh, the real pain. <laughs> They could do some like color pages to really wow you once in a while. <laughs> but oh, like people like have like if you're like a red and you see green like an artificial, it can like have a like impact on your body. So people like take drugs by like witnessing colors they're not supposed to or like they use it as medical treatment. Like there's a whole system. Uh, sorry, I'm done. <laughs> it's so nah, it sounds like you really liked it, though. I mean, that's, I did. I really yeah. I, I liked it even more than the constant rabbit. So. I, I'll I'll keep on reading his stuff. I don't know what I'm going to read next, but we'll we'll see what comes up. All right. Well, for those of you that are readers, that's Shades of Gray. So thank you, Mason. So I I'll go next is because I'm thinking it's going to going to be fairly quick. Um, so I finished up uh, I finished up the the um the Sonic Racing game, and I finished up a couple other games, and Cyberpunk's just like unplayable, and East Origin is not really that good. So I'm playing Rondo the Castle of Night, the Castlevania, like whatever you call it, collaboration, collection, Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. And they're really interesting. I've never played these before. Um, I'm not really a Castlevania player. I've never really played them before. But I started with Rondo of Blood, and I'm told this is like a pretty hard Castlevania game. And it's pretty difficult. Like this game is from like, it's like from like the early 1990s ish type type time period and 
it's it's pretty viciously hard. I mean, like this is a game that like isn't very inviting to most players. Probably, I think it will be quite a shock for a lot of people. Like the hitboxes are super small, the margins of error on like the platforming are really really little. You can't really heal usually for the most part. Like there's, it's a lot like Mega Man where like if you just take a bunch of damage, you might as well just like jump off a cliff or something in the game because you're not really going to get very far. Doesn't checkpoint you very often, but of course your Richter Belmont travels to Castlevania to the castle of Dracula to take down Dracula basically. And, and, um, it's got about five or six levels that you play through and each level has a boss at the end of it. And, you know, they vary from like werewolves to like just hideous abominations to Dracula himself, you know, at the end of the game. And, and it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's an array of weapons you can use, but like Richter's character is pretty stiff. Like this is an old game. You can like, you know, as you're jumping through these like environments, you know, you're like hitting skeletons and all these other things, but you're pretty much just jumping and like swinging your like flail. And that's pretty much it. As aside from like the little power up items you'll get, like you can get like, uh, like throwing knives or like holy water or whatever. Um, but like, uh, it's pretty tough. And when you beat the game, you can go back and play like the alternate path. So there's like a second path that you can take. So there was really like two ways to get to the end of the game all along, but the the alternate path is, like, so much harder to discover that I don't think anybody would really play that route unless you knew it was there and you were looking for it. And then there's, like, various girls you rescue throughout the game. Like, one of them is Maria, who's, a uh, like, another vampire hunter. And you can actually play as her, and the game is, like, really tongue-in-cheek when you play with her, I guess. Her character is, like, way more agile and way more... She takes more damage, but she's able to slide she can double jump and her character is like a lot more agile and but because it's like much easier when you play as her the game kind of makes you feel bad about the fact that you're playing with her because her special attacks are like you know she'll summon like a cat like a, like a kitten that'll run up the enemies and hit them or you know something like something that's like way out of like the tone of the game and when you die like the game over screen comes up with as like little like almost like little like children's toy blocks that like fall on their side and shit and like little flowers bloom all over the screen. So it's like they're, I guess they're making you, they're basically saying that like if you play as Maria, you're basically like, you know, you're doing like the cupcake route of the game, so to speak. Um, but I do recommend the game. There's some great boss fights. Level five had a, or maybe it was six, had a really tough boss fight. I won't spoil it, but you fight pretty much every classic monster from film in the same boss fight and you basically have to clear like five boss fights without any healing items, you know, in order to beat it. It's pretty tough. Um, and then once you beat that, you, you pivot over to symphony of the night, which is like, I'm told a, a, like a foundational game in the genre of like Castlevania. Cause there are lots of other games that have been made in the same style. And not only is it, you know, foundational, but it's still one of the best games in its genre. And, um, even though it was made in like 1993 or whatever, and this game picks up like literally right where the last one left off. So you really should play them in this order where you, you, you literally redo the final boss fight from Rondo of Blood at the beginning of Symphony of the Night. And then after that happens, Alucard, who we all know comes in and he's, I guess this, this is more like where the TV show from Netflix picks up, I guess. Uh, there's no, um, although there's no Trevor Belmont in this game. So I'm not, I'm not, he may, he may. Now Trevor, and it, that, uh, the show I think was based off of three, I believe. The third game? And Symphony of the Night is like, I think 
not maybe not thousands. At least it's very far in the future after that event because oh really, Alucard eventually goes to sleep and then wakes up again uh, okay, when yeah, uh, okay when his father's castle comes back. Yeah, I know. Belmont, a- you mean from Smash? I love that game. <laughs> there, there's like why is it Alucard in Smash? <laughs> Okay, no, I'm maybe, sorry. Maybe we he, got Sephiroth. I, I was about to say, Sephiroth is close enough. <laughs> maybe he will be. Maybe they'll add him. I mean, he's he's a big enough character, I guess. I, I don't know. This is like, there's so many old Castlevania games. Like, there's like Simon's Quest and all this, and I'm probably going to get those too. But but like, this game is, is really quite good, but holy shit, it is so much easier than Rondo of Blood. Like, it is not even in the same, like, universe. Um, like, if you, you know, this is a game that most people could really enjoy and get a lot out of. Rondo of Blood is the game that will have you like throwing your controller into a wall because it's just such a bitch at times. But this game is it's it's this is more what people know. Like I think this is a game that that is in the same style of um, Hollow Knight and Blasphemous and those other games where the map and and even that and even that that Monster Boy game I just played. They're all the same genre where the map is like all these little blocks. Number six. Oh hi. Uh, the map. <laughs> oh, <laughs> surprise list! My favorite. <laughs> the, the, map, the map is like, um, you know, it's all these like blocks that you navigate through, and you can, you know, like if you look at the map, it's just like a billion little blocks that are connected, and and it's one of those games where like you most of the game it play is you running back and like backtracking through areas you've already been because you'll like get through a section and then you'll hit like an obstacle you can't go through. Like in this game, it would be like, oh your character can't like turn into a wolf yet or whatever. And so then you'll have to like go somewhere else and find try, and like see what you can find and eventually you'll find the wolf power which leads you all the, which means you have to run all the way back to the other side and go through the door or whatever which gives you another item which means you can access something that's on the other side of the map. And thankfully they do have like teleporting in this so you can like jump from place to place but it's not like you can jump everywhere so there is some a lot of running around. Um and the game is cool. Like the, this one is voiceover. You know, there's not like a ton of dialogue, but actually, Rondo of Blood, Blood was voiceover too. But um, the but I'm told that after you get to a certain point in the game, that's a huge spoiler. Uh, like like you have to do the map again, like in a different way. So I'm I don't want I'm not trying to give like a big spoiler, but like it it sounds pretty innovative for like especially for like this air like this year of gaming, like in '93. But like you, you, you end up having to do the same map again, so you can actually get like two hundred and one percent of the map completion, which is kind of weird. Uh, and but it, it's pretty sweet. Like you can summon familiars to fight with you. You can't. The, some of the boss fights are pretty elaborate and pretty neat. Like I fought a boss earlier that was like this huge orb, like huge. Like he was like a hundred times as big as Alucard, and he's like raining corpses on top of you, and the corpses will get up and like attack you. And mean so then meanwhile you have to like knock chunks of the of like the orb's body off that are and so like pieces of like sections of these corpses will like disappear when you damage them enough and it reveals like the monster underneath that'll like start attacking you um, while it's raining corpses on top of you so you have to really like keep up with like you know like crowd control while like simultaneously dodging like lasers and shit that the enemy's shooting at you it's some it's pretty neat. Um, you know, I'm sure it's going to go to the same place where at the end I'm going to probably fight Dracula again, you know, which is pretty predictable. And, um, it's been pretty good. You know, I think both games run probably, uh, Rondo of Blood, you can probably beat in about, if you're good, probably, I mean, if you're like super good, you can probably beat it in like, (laughs) like 40 minutes. But if you're like, 
you know, an average player who's like played Mega Man and is used to these like side scrolling, you know, games, you probably you could probably beat it in maybe five, six hours. And if you're really struggling, maybe like seven or eight hours. And then Symphony of the Night, I think, is maybe a little longer, maybe ten hours or so. Uh, but like it's totally worth it for the ten bucks. Like you can find it on I guess it's probably like on Steam and PSN, but they come in a collection and and if you like this one, there's another one that has even more games that are older. Like there's like Castlevania One, which you can't even make imagine what that looks like. Like Simon's Quest and then like all the other ones that led up to Rondo of Blood. So you can really like like if you're interested in if you watch like Netflix on uh, Castlevania and you're interested in it, you could really like fill in some of the history of the of like the the franchise by getting these two collections for honestly really not that much money. I think you're getting like twenty you're getting like seven games for like twenty bucks. And they are short, but like, you know, you can really fill in a lot of the gap between the beginning and since Symphony of the Night if you play through all of them. And it's pretty neat, you know. It's kinda neat to go back in the past and like experience these games that kind of like, you know, were foundational to these different games that we enjoy now. Like Hollow Knight probably wouldn't exist without Symphony of the Night. So, you know, I'm guessing. But it's been good. No, certainly not. And it also does the same where the map goes above 100%. I think Hollow Knight's like 112% of the map you can find. It's like, why even why even do that? But it I, feels like you're getting that much extra content in secret areas. So I don't mind yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a lot of like stuff that's like you would you can beat the game, you'd never find it because it's it's so hidden that it's like beyond 100% or whatever, but it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat and uh Alucard is Definitely cool. Oh, and I should say that Symphony of the Night has like levels, equipment. It has like weapons, secondary weapon, armor, helmet, accessories, all these different like RPG elements. And when you like equip a different like piece of armor or a different cloak, it actually shows up on your character while you're playing. So he his appearance will be altered by the by the stuff you're wearing, which is pretty neat. So if you if you're a sucker for like the RPG elements, this game has that as well. So it's definitely worth checking out. So, but I don't want to take up too much more time because I know Manny's got things to talk about. Um, I do have a quick question. You didn't write it down, Mandy, but I want to ask anyway. Do you agree that the last episode of season four of Bates Motel should have been the ending of the series? <laughs> uh, season five was wild. I I don't know. I feel like maybe they were trying to make it so that they weren't like just glorifying a serial killer. <laughs> And like try to give him some kind of ending, which I understand. Because I think if they ended it there, it'd be like, and then he got away and he's still killing people. I mean, that'd be kind of hard to get behind. But um, yeah, season five was wild. I felt like they were trying, they were struggling so yeah. hard to come up to an ending, like a satisfying ending that would like not like just give Norman like a free pass. <laughs> Well, I feel like the ending is the movie. Like, people should just watch the damn movie to get the ending. I mean, and then you'd feel better because, mm. you know, he doesn't really... I can't remember... Yeah, true. Yeah, I can't remember how the movie ends up, but I don't think it ends well for him, if I recall. Well, but. I was going to ask, would the end of season four lead into the movie properly, or did it need Not some season five to bridge that? Not properly it's been a while since i've seen the movie but i feel like he was a, an adult in the movie he is not like yeah. a kid like norman which i mean he's not like a kid he's only like 18 or something but he's i feel like he was much older in the movie but i could be wrong i don't remember yeah i think he but he smelled of like sorry. 40 or so maybe like 40 years old 
Yeah, he was much older, so it wouldn't have been a clean transition. It would have been kind of weird, like, how do you get away that long with murdering so many people? Which I also questioned about this show. I'm oh like, my, how oh do God, these people yeah. not catch on? <laughs> but there's a lot of bumbling around this. Yeah. But um, they kind of just completely did away with the movie, and they wrapped the movie into season five. So all the characters that I remember that were in the movie are in season five, which is really weird. And they're like completely, completely just rewrote it. So the movie doesn't even like isn't a part of the series at all. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's like, I'm always like hesitant to say when I'm watching something that, oh, nobody would react that way because I'm like, I don't know. I'm sitting safe in front of my TV. Of course, they're in a high, very stressful situation. They're going to make mistakes, except for when there are like you have times where you're like a... (laughs) <laughs> a trained cop who took somebody hostage and then fell down in grief but put your gun in your back pocket clearly for the person you took hostage to grab from you. I'm like, that's a little bit too far <laughs> for he, me. He was in, you know, he was, I don't, I don't know how many spoilers I want to get. Let's just say he was a little out of practice. <laughs> hmm Really out of practice, yeah. And he had been killing people the entire show, entire series too he wasn't like some like person who's never handled a gun before <laughs> i don't know there are some crazy moments where I, like that where i'm like what <laughs> you only did that just to give norman an excuse to get out of it now, he, i'm like how does this little teenager keep getting away with this it's, shit? it's like yeah i mean he should have been caught like after the first you know the first person that he ended up killing but it's crazy. Uh, They're it so going. stupid. They're like, no, it can't possibly be him. I mean, he was so lucky to be stuck in a town that had like a massive drug lord problems. <laughs> he was so he was so lucky to be surrounded by all of this crazy shit that he's like, no one will ever find me. Yeah, just blame <laughs> no it on one every- ever suspects me. Just blame it on everybody else. <laughs> and he even went to a to a mental hospital and told them that uh, my mom has been killing people. <laughs> Still never looked into it. They're like, nah, he's he's lying. It's my, so stupid. My mom's been killing people. Oh, and now I am my mom. They still don't get it. They still I don't was get like, it. surely he had enough proof that this guy needed to be kept in this hospital. He was very dangerous, but I also don't know like like how that works legally. I don't know, but... Well. Well, there was like a scene. Well, there was also a scene where like they literally escaped from the hospital with absolutely no effort whatsoever. So, so it's not exactly oh, that did la- that did make me laugh though. When he came in, there was like, "Hey, Norman," I was cracking up. It's ridiculous. It was. It was stupid. Season five is so stupid, but everything up to season five was really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I liked it a lot. So, okay, cool. I just needed to hear what you had, what you thought. Now, how about these? It was dumb, but I I understand what they were trying to go for, but I also think they should have just, like, led it up to the movie. And, like, so you can go, like, ha, now go all the way back to, I don't even know what it was, the 60s, and watch this movie. Oh, my God. I think it was before that. I don't know. I don't it's remember how old it is. It's, old it's black and white. It's I know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, but how about these games, though? Oh, yeah. So um, I got a bunch of Switch games because I had a lot of coins on the Switch marketplace that I forgot about. And I'm like, oh, 
Switch is having a sale. I should probably spend these coins before I lose them. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Transistor was on sale for like, I don't, it was like very cheap, like only like three or four dollars. So I got Transistor, which is, um, oh, excuse me. I'm, I drink a lot of coffee and I got, I have a, some little burps in there. Anyways, <laughs> but, uh, Transistor is, uh, by the same, um, company that did Hades, like one of their earlier games. Um, that I think it was like their second game. I think it was their second. I think they did yeah. what Bastion? Bastion, Transistor, Pyre. Oh, Bastion. I've, I've never tried Pyre. Uh, Pyre, I talked about before on this yeah, podcast. That's the only one I haven't tried. But and unfortunately, anyway. it's the only one that's not on Switch, which makes me so sad because these are great Switch games. Yeah. But um, Transistor, I got on PC a long time ago, and I played a bit of it, and then I think I got buried under other games that came out at the time, mm-hmm. and I uh, fell off of it. And it's a very short game too, and I wish I would have just kept up with it because. But on the Switch, it's gr- it's fantastic as a Switch game. I think just the way that it controls and having it in handheld mode is great. But um. So Transistor is a kind of like I think I think I classify it as cyberpunk story about a woman named Red who was this very famous singer in this futuristic city called uh, Cloudbank, and um, there the the story in this isn't like spoon fed to you. You kind of have to piece it together by picking up um, abilities from. Uh, throughout the game and when you equip them to passive slots it unlocks more of the story um, for you to read and you have to get them through like audio files that you find but the um, gist of it is that she, I don't want to give any spoilers, but she did something to this uh, robotic force called the Camarada and uh, pissed them off and they tried to assassinate her with this um, talking sword called the um, transistor and uh, so but she becomes under possession of this sword and uh, it wants to help her try and bring the camarada down and so the gameplay of it it's top down isometric kind of like um, Hades oh, I don't know if that's technically called isometric I guess it's kind of like bird's eye it's almost like bird's eye <laughs> it's isometric yeah yeah okay cool I'm not sure I got the word right but um it's you know similar to like how Hades works, but I feel like it's a lot slower than Hades because Hades has it's not I'm not saying it's like Doom, but the combat feels very fast paced, like like kind of like Doom style. Um, not Doom, I'm sorry, I meant Diablo. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's not it's nothing like Diablo, but the combat is very fast paced like that. Uh, Transistor, you can either play in. Um, Real time, or you could also play it as a turn-based game, sort of. Um, so you have this ability bar that you can pause time, and you can load up uh, actions, and then uh, release time, and your character will speed through all of these actions before the enemy has a chance to respond. And then, but that's on cooldown, and uh, you can either just run around and avoid attacks. You can uh, there are other things you can do outside of time. But um, once that time like replenishes, then you can do it again. You can pause time, load up uh, attacks, and then or movements, and then release it again. But I think what I really liked about Transistor that kind of led into why I think uh, Hades was so successful is because the 
um, just a wide variety of things and combos you can do with the abilities. So as you go along and you level up and you find um, just at certain parts of the game, like bosses, you can find more abilities and you can equip them in... Um, in different ways like you can put four active ones on your bar and then you can also unlock uh um, spots underneath those to power up the abilities so you could equip either an ability in the support side or you could equip it as like the active one and then they all do something differently whether it's active or support and you can come up some some with some really weird crazy um uh, combos, uh, like with how you uh, move those around. So, like, there is ability called jaunt, which is like a dash. If you have it active on your bar, you can dash around, kind of like how um, you know Zagreus and Hades does. Like, all I do over the entire fucking game. But <laughs> um, if you put it on your active bar, you can you can use it as a dash, and you can just dash all over the screen. But if you equip it to an ability in the um, support side, then it will let you use that ability outside of the turn-based time. So, like, if you load up a whole bunch of abilities and freeze time, load up a whole bunch of abilities, release time, it does all these attacks, and you're waiting for that time freeze to replenish, you can use whatever ability that Jaunt is is attached to outside of that. So, that was cool. I attached it to um, ability an ability called Crash, and I also attached something else to that ability that uh, like buffed its attack, and I was using that outside of time, and so it would um, like make enemies uh, become unsteady. I think it was called, where like they take more damage, and I'd hit all of them, then freeze time and do a whole bunch of other crazy shit, <laughs> and it was really cool. And they were um, like, if, but if you like use uh, jaunt or the dash uh, as an active, you could equip things to that also. So I had, I also tried taking jaunt off of passive, putting active, and then putting this ability called uh, cor- like some kind of corrosion effect on it, on jaunt. And then when I dashed, it threw out like corrosive bolts to oh, that's me. Cool. I was like, yeah, that was cool. So, um, yeah, just like trying to come up with different combos and seeing what other things people came up with is really cool. And then there's also like an, an entirely other passive side that you can equip abilities to that will just help you just all the time. Like, um, I put an ability called get. This, this, that's just literally what it's just called as like a passive that's not attached to any attacks. And so when I'm dashing around, after you kill something, they drop something called a power cell. And if that power cell is not destroyed, um, like like in a certain amount of time, it will just respawn whatever like robot it was before. So you have to kill those or um, kind of absorb them by uh, like like running over them. And so if I'm so far away from the map and I put I put get on my um, my passive side, it will like pull those to you. So that was cool. And but you can also like put get on one of your bars. It's like there are so many different possibilities for how you want to customize your character. I thought was super cool. But um, it is very short. I finished it in five or six hours. It's a very short game, which is kind of a big downside to it because you come up with all these cool combos and you want to keep playing and trying to figure out different combos and then you run out of time. You're like, oh shit, it's the end of the game. <laughs> I got all of this like cool shit at, towards the end and I don't have time to experiment with it yeah, that... and like feel like an overpowered badass. 
the uh, the how the how long to beat website has it at six hours for, yeah and then mm-hmm. like eight and a half if you want to do like the extras so yeah i could see that so it's on ps yeah. it's on psn for 20 bucks is it worth 20 bucks I, I don't know. I got it for $4. I don't know about <laughs> $20. It seems pretty short for a $20 game. But it goes on sale all the time, so I would I see, wait I for a sale. Okay. But yeah. I'm I'm just going to say it's not a hard game. Once you try and figure out like certain combos, it comes very easy. <laughs> so it's definitely not like a brutally hard game or anything. But um, still, fantastic art. I mean, Supergiant has always has great art, great voice acting, amazing music. The soundtrack in it is just fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I love Supergiant games. <laughs> but um, I also got Little Nightmares, which I also played on PC. And then I got it on the Switch because it was on sale super cheap. I wanted to see what it looked like the, on the uh, Switch. And I, I don't know if I've ever talked about it before on the podcast, but... Um, that one is like a very short horror game where you are a kid in a raincoat on a boat and there are all kinds of just horrible, horrible, disgusting creatures that you are trying to escape from because they want to uh, eat you. So um, it's also one of those where there's no voice acting. It's uh, um, a side-scrolling game kind of like inside if anyone has played that i was gonna it's ask very... if it was like limbo yeah yeah the same yeah thing. i'd say so yeah i'd say it's uh very similar to that it's um kind of like a puzzle platform game where you or that like there's a door and you have to try and figure out how to get through the door by pulling switches and climbing things also while trying to avoid horrible creatures that want to eat you so um and it's it it's another one of those games where there's no voice acting and you just pick up the story at, just by experiencing the backgrounds. And the game looks fantastic. It is creepy as hell. But again, it's very short. Um, I finished it in maybe three hours. <laughs> it's Damn. super, super short. Um, it's by developer Tarsier Studios, I believe. But I played it on PC a while ago, and then I got it on Steam. Or, sorry, I played it on Steam a while ago, and then I got it on Switch because I wanted to see what it looked like. And the Switch version, and I'm sure they may have updated the Steam one. I, I don't know because I haven't tried it. But um, the Switch version has the ability to play both as a little kid with the raincoat and another kid, which who I've not tried yet. So I kind of want to see what that one is like. But uh, or if it's like a different story or what. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was creepy. and there's a sequel coming out next year which i'm looking forward to almost a month from now yeah i'm 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 really looking forward to that one because it's cool but i think on switch the problem that i had is that it's honestly really hard to see where you are i kept falling off pipes because i'm like i can't see i can't see where i am on the level Uh, (laughs) so i'd like sorry it's really dark is it like it's very dark and it's even worse on handheld mode where i'm like i don't i can't see where i am and i'm walking and all of a sudden i fell off the pipe i'm like shit do you think that's like intentional or is that like a like it could be to try and drag out the gameplay maybe a little bit but i feel like i didn't have as much trouble on pc maybe that's because of my monitor i don't know i could be wrong Maybe I just had it too dark, but uh, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's little nightmares. It's a creepy, creepy time. 
Yeah, sometimes I sometimes the dark games kind of I struggle with those because the you know I'm on projector and it doesn't have like a very modern like whatever the whatever the hell it is that makes like 4K and all these like you know the modern format it doesn't really have that so sometimes probably doesn't have the same level of contrast something yeah it just doesn't I mean it it's perfect perfectly fine for most things but like it really was bad in Cyberpunk as well like I said before so I wonder how that would work out. <laughs> Wait, I will I say talk about, I, sorry, oh, sorry go ahead. I said I was I did I was going to say I did say it's very creepy but then again I was playing it in front of my sister and we're both like oh the the little fat chef is kind of cute <laughs> so I mean what is creepy is going to vary to person to person <laughs> is it is it like Nightmare Before Christmas creepy I don't know I don't know I got like a, I was looking I, at I, some... don't, I don't feel like Jack Skellington was eating people or kids <laughs> I could be wrong the though. game I talked about a few months ago that was a little more like Nightmare Before Christmas like just spindly like aesthetically creepy I think this yeah. is a little more like ooh I do not want to be in this situation it's it's actually spooky okay yeah I'm looking at more pictures of it and I think it was it's just spooky not spoopy yeah I think it was just the first couple of pictures I looked at that made it look a little more like that may kind of remind me of, I guess maybe it's the backgrounds that remind me of Nightmare Before Christmas, maybe. I don't know. It does have a kind of clay look to it. So, yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Okay, cool. It looks good, though. Okay. Mandy's, Mandy's sampling all sorts of things. Yeah, and I got a game called Tavern Story. I just started it, but I'm not really feeling it, so oh. might move on to something else. Oh, here's the chef guy. Yeah, he doesn't look very friendly. No. He's cute, though, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> You've just been playing too much Overcooked. <laughs> I did. We finished Overcooked, too, also. I just well, let's, be, let's be honest. There is no finishing Overcooked. You just find someone new to play it with and then start over. Yeah. He, he has some, yeah, like... Yeah, we started one again, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. He has, like, some decent cuts of meat here in front of him, but... Like, I just want... I, yeah. I, but I worry where the meat came from. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd Kids. trust it. You get to see oh, them, like, like turning kids into meat. It's weird. These are some pretty big cuts of meat for kids, but I... They I, grind them boys. together. Oh, fuck. I'm not going to eat. No, I'm out. <laughs> you don't actually see that, but it's implied. No, I mean, I don't want to eat cuts of meat with kids. Like, I like meat. Oh, oh, okay. I gotcha. like meat, but, you know, come on now. So... Okay, yeah, cool. I don't know if I'd go to his kitchen. There is a part that kind of reminded me of um, Spirited Away, where there are these like really big, fat guy, like um, people. They're just like hor- like like pouring food into their mouths. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why they gave me like it reminded me of uh, the Spirited Away um, like parents. parents. Yeah, <laughs> they're pigs. That's what it reminded me of. But, All right, uh, well. I think we're pretty much out of time, but I'm glad we got to everything. Yeah. And let's see. For me, I don't know. More. Ga- oh, um, Cobra Kai Season 3 came out. We're almost done with it already, even though it just came out because it's so good. So I'll probably talk about that a bit. And uh, Guy 6 is coming out at the end of the month, so there'll, there'll always be that to talk about. What, do you guys have anything anything exciting coming up that you want to mention, or are you going to leave it to suspense? Suspense. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to finish 13 Sentinels, but I feel like I talked about that already. Other than that, I don't, I don't really know. We started, I started the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but oh, I, um, saw that. I don't think my mom was feeling it, so I might just watch that on my own. 
gotcha. we'll, but we'll see. I did see that, yeah. All right, well, in that case, guys, we will see you next time on Hobby Addicts. And uh, I keep tantalizing you with lots of recommendations for you to enjoy. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. See ya.